0: Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week I got a special treat for you. He is a returning guest to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. If you guys know, listen am listening, to this, I very rarely have people back more than once. When, when I have them back, that means all my guests provide value because if they didn't, I never would have published the episode in the first place. But when they provide tons of value, when they blow the value meter off the charts, then I have them back for a second episode and that is what we're doing today. I've got with me two people. I got a double header for you. I've got Ben Leibovich, first of all. Ben is, we. if you're on Bigger Pockets, you, you've got to know who Ben is. I mean, everybody knows who Ben is. I've been following Ben for years. Had him on the show. Ben, how long has it been? A couple of years now, right? A year yeah. or two.
1: Something
0: like that, yeah. So Ben is a successful multifamily real estate investor. House hacker. He wrote the book on house hacking, literally. Great book. I got a copy here. I've read it cover to cover several times. He's also a syndicated and selling author and teacher and um, our double header, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Sam Grooms. Now here's the cool thing. Sam, besides being a real estate investor, he's a CPA. Okay, he works with a publicly traded multinational experience firm. He is successful in the apartment space. Why? Well, Sam, not to take it away from your brother, but you are working with Ben. So that gives you a, a, a feather in my hat, right? And you're a house flipper, a CPA It's a house flipper. That's kind of interesting.
2: Yeah. Well, you got yeah, you those t- tax. Going into a tax-heavy business in real estate.
0: Yeah, but you got all those ninja tax moves, and you actually read the tax code. So for you, it's probably not as, as a tax burdened investment as for the rest of us, right? Right. Yep. The, the guy doing their ten forty easy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Not doing so, that.
0: <laughs> one of the, I brought you guys on the show today because I know you you're, you're doing you're, you're working on a, I think you're working on an opportunity right now in Phoenix. Uh we were talking about I think you had a 90 98 unit apartment going okay. on right now you're working on raising money for
1: Actually us? actually this is uh this is closed. It's it's done. Um uh, okay. Closed it about uh what is it? Say a month ago.
2: Yeah, it was on uh, August 17th. Nice.
0: What I like about how you went through that process uh, is that you you did things what I consider the right way. In other words, I looked at the data you put out, it looked good, it looked solid. And what I see a lot of, and this is kind of what I want to build this this episode around is I see a lot of people, it seems like everybody's a syndicator. It's like a cool word. It's become like salsa, right? Everybody likes saying it, I'm I'm a syndicator. Not that it's some big badge of distinction, but what I see is, and either one of you speak up on this one is I see people, and I'm just going to throw it out there to set the tone, I think they're doing it, frankly, for the acquisition fees. I, I almost think it's like playing broker. It's like playing a realtor. I'm looking at these right. deals, guys, and I'm going, there's no way in the heck they're going to exit out of this thing as they're playing. There's just no way. It doesn't work. And I know you guys are very diligent about that. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, so you're absolutely right. Um, it kind of blows my mind. Um, huh. it, it, uh, you know We track how many deals we underwrite, how many of those we're interested in, How many of those we put in an offer on? How many of those we get into the highest and best on? How many of those we go out, fly out, go see? How many we actually get? And you know, you're lucky to get a deal in six months. You just are. So I'm seeing these these OMs offering memorandums float. You know, one a month, two a month in some cases and I'm, I'm you know I scratch my head because I you know how are you cooking your books <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> I understand how the numbers work I look at those numbers each day every day what exactly is going on I you know I don't see those deals where are those deals coming from I see a lot of deals I don't see those deals so That's what we call moral hazard, and there's a lot of it in syndication. So I've been pretty outspoken against turnkey rentals for a number of reasons throughout the years. One reason is that the turnkey operator gets paid up front. They get paid regardless of whether you make money or you lose money. Additionally, they siphon the equity out of the deal.
0: Upfront, absolutely.
1: Upfront. So there's no IRR for you. It's impossible to line the numbers up in one of those kind of markets where you would see a turnkey operation because there's cash flow. Uh so it's, it, you know, because you don't have any back-end appreciation. And if, if, if it's a little bit over people's heads, we can come back to the IRR and discuss this whole idea of how the numbers stack up and what you need, all of the pieces in order to for the investment to work out. But mathematically, in a TK equation, with the equity being siphoned off at the front door, it's... It's quite unlikely that you make a good return investment. So, I've been over the years rather outspoken uh, on the TK issue, and I've always put up syndication as the proper alternative because there are preferred rates of return to the partners where the syndicator, the sponsor, doesn't get paid out of the cash flow until that happens, uh, until the prefs are hit, uh, and things like that. But It doesn't change the fact that in a syndication, you know, if it takes me six months of underwriting deals to be able to bring one to people that I think is a good investment, yes, I want to get paid something for that work. I've worked free for six months. And I don't think it's wrong to get paid something for it. So there are certain fees that are being charged up front in order to pay the sponsor for the work they've done to put this thing together. However, that's on every deal. And if you start floating two deals a month, as a sponsor, you're making a whole lot of money. Maybe you deserve it, but maybe there's a fair amount of moral hazard in that that money upfront is enough of a reason and impetus for a sponsor to float the deal without perhaps as much ironclad math or logic or 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 you know exit strategy or multiple exit you know Sam and I have uh, probably about you know six or seven contact points in this deal at which we can exit, right. So it' it's, it's, it's like it's getting into a deal with with one exit is just asinine. How do you you know how, how do you raise money for that? Well I, so I see there
0: tends to be some sort of a, a I see like an unwritten or un, unspoken obligation and, I, and here's where I cut where this comes from. Having the podcast I do a free 30 minute people can get on to follow me or whatever they got questions. I'm more than happy to help them and I always get them their calls after the fact like I've just invested in this deal a year ago or two years ago. And yeah. now I can't, where's my money? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's not my deal. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Ask the guy you gave it to. But I, I think there's this, this, uh, fear of saying no. Right. Th- they feel like there's some sort of an investment pressure or investment. Well, uh, uh,
1: look, it's the cool, uh, cool kids club, right? I mean, and, and bigger pockets goes in cycles. You know, it used to be that it was cool to have a portfolio of 20 rentals because right. that's Ben Labovich was writing about and that's what Brandon Turner was talking about in the podcast Uh, then it was cool to be investing in turnkey especially if you live in California then it became cool to do house hacking you know cuz Ben Labovich wrote a book and all of a sudden the shit breaks out Uh, then it was good now it's cool to be uh, investing in syndications you know nothing is cool that doesn't make you money. And if you don't know enough about how the numbers work to even figure out if it's going to make you money, then you're not cool. You're stupid. Oh, this so is the problem the player, you're calling and asking, what the hell is going on with my money? Exactly. Yeah. This, is, so this is the problem. The Go ahead. people are
2: You're seeing this is that deals heavily weight towards that. Cause fee is prices are so high and the newbies, they want to deal so bad that they're just going to fudge the assumptions and keep getting more aggressive and more aggressive. And once you do that, like you said, you're paying too much, so you don't have an exit.
0: Well yeah, an assumption. Here's my thing. You can't sit there and say, and nobody can sit there and say that, that doing a, a syndication doesn't have some degree of, a, a large degree of speculation. And I've heard syndicators pitch deals this Well, there's, this is a guaranteed thing because there's, we're not speculating. We're not flipping houses. Oh no! You're not flipping houses. You're flipping apartments because you got an exit five years down the road, but you don't have a way to fund this this deal. You're, you know, you're, you're taking on some major, major risk, and you haven't done all the math. Mm-hmm. Now, Sam, I see this a lot, especially involving CPAs, is that the public feels that trying to get either the CPA wouldn't know how to do this, which is laughable because say again what you do for a living, or they feel that it's which is even funnier that it's cost prohibitive to bring somebody like yourself into the deal to be the, the the mathematician, to to be the the CPA on staff to go through this deal. Like I can't pay Sam to go through a hundred deals. What do you say to that person?
2: I mean, they're, they're right. I mean, if, if that's all the CPA was relying on for income and you just paying him hourly to go through hundreds of deals for six months, That that's definitely cost prohibitive. So that is an advantage that we have. Did I have the time to be able to do that? Um, but it it, is a ton of expertise. I can go through a deal a lot faster too than a lot of other people. Um, Ben and I just, we spent eight hours for six months, eight hours a day going through these deals. So we picked up a lot of expertise. Um, we refined our model over that entire period.
0: I love the fact that you guys have a, a workshop coming up in Phoenix that we'll talk about here before we wrap up today. But I love the fact that you, you not only do, but you you teach, but you teach from a perspective of this is how you learn how to invest your money. And this is something that I think the, in, the industry as the education industry has missed. They teach you how to get hyped up and how to do push ups and then go flip houses, but they don't really teach you all of the, all of the math, all of the, the whole back end of it, right? Yeah. They don't, they, they, skip things. They teach you just so, enough to get sexy, and so you'll think it's too much work, and then you'll just invest with somebody else.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's funny because, uh, yeah, you're right. You will. Uh, and Tyler, let's face it, this is how this stuff goes, right? right? You buy yourself a $350 ticket to go to a like a boot camp or whatever. You do a bunch of hoorays, You do a bunch of high fives. They give you some good information, maybe 70%, maybe 80%, maybe 90%. But then you have to spend $30,000 to get involved in the program to get the last 10% that really is the glue to get your mind in the right place and make everything work. That is the industry. That's how this works, and that's, that's not something I can tolerate. But um, going back to your uh, conversation with Sam, what's interesting is I'm a violinist. Uh, first of all, all kinds of people can learn to do this right. I'm a violinist. He's a CPA. We come at it from entirely different backgrounds. He can do it. I can do it. You just have to know what to look for, which questions to ask, and what the numbers are supposed to look like. But all kinds of people can do it. You don't have to be a CPA, so that's one point. Second point is, when Sam and I, when he says we refined our modeling, what he really means is, I am a uh, liberal arts background kind of guy. I played violin for a huge portion of my life. I perceive life through pictures and colors and sounds and all the rest of it he's a completely different animal he sees numbers the numbers are his pictures and his smells and his stories and his colors and all of that so to approach a spreadsheet or a set of spreadsheets for me looks totally different than it looks for Sam and that's where we started so here's two guys that are seeing this from a completely opposite i would say focal point point. and we sit there on the phone it was hilarious i mean he's got his headset on i can hear his wife in the background going like sam what the hell is going on, like, for eight <laughs> hours a day. He's got his cell phone, he's front of the computer with spreadsheet. He's got this big-ass computer with two big old screens sitting side by side, you know, like the, the traders use. You know, he can see, like, you know, 15 pages on uh, at once. And that's Sam sitting at his desk over there in his house. And then there's me at my dining room table because my wife took over my office and I, you know, I I go, you know, whatever closet I can find in the house, you know. Um, And we're sitting there for eight hours and we're, what we're doing is we're marrying the two perspectives. So he looks at the same OM that I'm looking at, the offering memorandum. And we, we boil this down to numbers within our own kind of underwriting as it makes sense to us and what, what really helped us to be really competitive in a market like Phoenix, which is one of the probably three hottest markets in the country, lowest cap rates in the country. What enabled us to dial in our numbers and our perspective enough is that yes, we started from two focal points and then we were able to mesh them together. And it's really helpful to have another set of eyes, another, another brain, to, to, to look at the same numbers and to kind of like put a different spin on them, put a different perspective on them. It was actually a really cool process. I can't even tell you how cool of a process has been to, um, in real time, have somebody who's got expertise with numbers at least as much as me, maybe more. Probably I would say more. maybe not expertise with numbers, but definitely spreadsheets formula spreadsheets. I mean, I can be talking to Sam about how nice it'd be to have a spreadsheet right. before I'm done telling him what <laughs> I'd like it to do hes emails me the, the the link to the Google Docs with the spreadsheets you know it's amazing Thanks. but that's what that's what uh, that's what I guess uh, being in charge of SEC reporting for for a publicly traded company, you know, he's going to do for you. You know, right. it's, you get good at that stuff. But, um, it's, it's, it's been a, a very, uh, challenging, but very gratifying process because you see, you see a lot of your faults when you're challenged like that in real time. That was cool.
0: I can imagine. I, I talk to a lot of people that don't understand. And this is the first, I tell all my, my students, this is understand what you invest in before you invest in. I mean, have a, have an understanding about the, the, the general thing of what you're investing. People call me and they go, I invested in this thing. What thing? Well, I don't know. They sent me these, this, this big, long thing. I'm like, a PPM? Yeah. Did you read it? Well, I started to, but I didn't understand it. And well, did you invest in it? Well, yeah. Why? I don't know, because they said it was a good deal. How does the common person who's not going to make a business out of doing real estate, they're just they just have money to invest. How does the I, workshop that you're doing help them? how does it reach out to them and say, so they can make an intelligent, informed.
2: And I think that's a great point. <clears throat> you, we mentioned earlier that the sponsors are the ones just pushing out these deals and acquisition fees. It's both sides fault. The, the investor, if you're going to invest in deals, you need to be educated in these deals. You have to understand how everything fits together, um, how you're actually going to make money. Uh, cause usually these are value add deals and you have, you, you mentioned earlier that you had someone calling you a year into the deal saying, where's my money. Well, most of these deals, you're not going to see the money for at least a year. Right. And that's something that they need to know up front. So at this workshop, we're going to go through the entire, how a sponsor puts the deal together, how they look at the deal, how they underwrite the deal, how everybody gets paid, what the exit looks like. We're going to basically walk you from beginning to end on what you can look at in a deal like this.
1: Uh, and I'll tell you more, Tyler, you know, I teach, I teach a lot throughout the years. I've taught a lot. I, I have a lot of students. One of the services I offer, matter of fact, I'm starting a new client tomorrow, um, is I have a consulting package on my website
0: right.
1: that I charge $1,200 for, and it consists of four sessions, 90 minutes apiece. And right. all I do is I share my screen. And I walk people through the underwriting process and I explain the logic behind each and every line item. Well, that's a $1,200 packet, one-on-one, and it doesn't involve property visit, and it doesn't involve speaking to a SEC attorney, and it doesn't involve speaking to a property manager with 20,000 units under management. There's no value add. It's just a one-on-one kind of thing. Well. This event, you're gonna get all that for fifteen hundred
0: yeah, it seems kind of doesn't seem like rocket science does it?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't and and uh you know the first day that's all we're doing is walking people through the exact underwriting spreadsheet, the entire whatever it is, ten eleven pages of it that uh, that that we need to go through line item by line item. To understand how the property is going to perform, what people don't understand is I see all this nonsense, people deploying capital at cap rate. People, you know, I lived in Ohio. I lived in a small town, Lima, Ohio, where, I, you know, I was one of the quote unquote smart guys on bigger pockets because I was able to buy deals at a nine cap. Well, You know, when you understand what a nine cap means, what it really means is the marketplace is deciding that this location isn't worth anymore. It's not worth spending more money on property in this location. But the cash flow was great. Still great. I still own, I don't know, 21 units in there. I still haven't sold everything. Right. So how do you, how do you, how do you, rationalize this I know what the cash flow was and is it's there I was there I've got property there so how come you could buy a nine cap people who know won't deploy just for cash flow this is what you back into when you start to understand things if the cash flow is great it's because you're paying a low price you're paying a low price because the marketplace doesn't care about this location. Question is why does the marketplace not care about this location if the cash flow is good? Uh, there you you go. gotta answer that question in your own mind before you start investing. You gotta, you know, Sam and I purchased this ninety-eight unit at four point seven five cap. Wow. What what you need to know is that it's going to be an eight point three five cap in three years or less and you need to know that nothing in phoenix has sold for anything over 4.75 cap in the last year so the capitalization rate in the marketplace is five cap so what we have is a property with about 350 dollars per door of value add we have a property that once we're complete, we've completed the value add program is going to be an a, almost an eight and a half cap on our basis, but the market capitalization rate is 4.75. So that delta of 8.5 minus 4.75, that three and a half cap percent delta, that's where the profit is. So even when we price the exit at six cap, which would require a very considerable adjustment to the marketplace psychology in Phoenix, you're still making a 30% margin on your all-in acquisition as a function of value add. But what did we buy at 4.75 cap? We bought the number one fastest-growing county in the United States. We bought the number two city fastest-growing in Phoenix, MSA, in the United States. We bought 61,000 new jobs in 2017, of which 60,000 were private sector, 3.5% job growth, which is about double the national average. That's what we bought. Now, you could go to Ohio, you could go to Dayton, Toledo, you know, Mississippi, you know, whatever. And you could look for your aid cap and maybe you can find something. But where would you rather be? Where do you think your money is safer? So I was an investor. And when it was my money, Lima, Ohio was okay. I'm not putting your money in Lima, Ohio. I want, you know, if I have fiduciary responsibility for your money, I want your money where the jobs are, where the, uh, and by the way, what we bought is, I think it was Collier's that did the research in 2017. Sam, correct me if I'm wrong. In 2017, the national average rent for apartments was about $1,330 a month. And, in Phoenix. I have just mentioned all those statistics representing all this growth right. but in Phoenix we were under thousand dollars wow. for the MSA. So think about this Tyler. So we bought at 4.75 cap but if all that we do is that Phoenix catches up to the national average rent then do you see how we're going to add 25% to our cash flow Absolutely. just by catching up? And this is reflect, I mean, you know, the deal we bought, we've leased in last month only two apartment. We're not spending any money on, on uh, marketing because we're doing $1.5 million of rehab and until we have some product that I want to take pictures of, I don't want to spend money on marketing. That said, we leased uh, two units. And they're going at fifteen to twenty percent premium untouched we haven't turned them yet
0: so you're 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 buying granted you're buying an asset but you're really buying the marketplace and that and that makes oh, sense with, with the Limo, Ohio comparison to where you are now because as we all know it looks like I think the entire state of California is moving to Phoenix yeah <laughs> so <laughs> I, your rent appreciation you should hit that national average in a very short Time frame, I would say. So,
1: so that's the logic, right? You ask yourself, what's the chances that Phoenix, what it is and where it is and what's happening here, what's the chances of it hitting at least the national average? You look at this and you say, we should be above the national average. We have the growth. We have the employment. Why are we not above? Why are we not in the top range of this national average? Right. We're below it. So I like that. And this is why people are paying 4.75 cap because they know that in a couple of years if we hit the national average the bar is being set very low all we need to do is hit the national average and all of a sudden you are at you know six cap on your having paid 4.75 if on top of it you're buying an asset where you believe reasonably you have significant value add. Then you stack that on top of the other and that's how you get to 8.3 cap on your acquisition. And you still have an exit at five.
0: Either way, you've got several different baked in. That's right. Exits, plans of attack. And and I think
2: it's important to mention that all of this market appreciation that Ben's talking about that's not baked into our underwriting. So that $300 below national average rents, that's not where we're picking up the $300 in rents. We're picking up the $300 in rents from the 1.5 million of value, value add that we're putting on the property. That three, if we get a p- additional appreciation in the marketplace, that's only going to add to our returns.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. So that gets, that's supercharged. It. I didn't realize that was left out. So in this, you're going to cover this, of course, in your, uh, in, in the, uh, in the workshop. I couldn't think of the name there for a second, the, the word, but I, I, how much of this, see, this is a thing a lot of people may, I'm glad you brought this up because this is something that a lot of people miss, but, and it goes back to what I we're talking about, about people not understanding what they're investing in. They don't understand a, the market. They don't take the time to understand an indiv- individual market. They, people buy, Ben, we both know this in Ohio because it's a low barrier of entry. Mm -hmm. You know, people can buy a house for five or 10 grand in some parts of Ohio and they think they thought that's a deal. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're not factoring in the whole thing. They're not looking at the growth down the road. And this is exactly what got us into hot water years ago and has repeatedly over time is that people are not taking in all the factors. They're not looking at market indicators. They're not seeing what's coming. For example, people are still buying in California. I know people that are buying multifamily in California. I'm going, where are your tenants going to come from? Hawaii.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it is a, uh, uh, Brandon moving back to, and he to rent one of those apartments from Hawaii because otherwise your mm-hmm. tenant base is moving East. <laughs> in case yeah. you haven't noticed, you know, what's going on. So this is good. I like this. You talk about, um, on, so on day one, I just want to kind of hit some of the high points. Uh, feel free to add in, but on day one, the morning of this, you start right out with stabilizing an underwriting model and then you get into uh, OPEX, which is great in OPEX and, and CAPEX because a lot of people tend to make expenses. Oh, what's the, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Convenient. In other words, yeah, I see, I see in a lot of underwriting expenses are kind of, they're not, there's really no basis. There's no fact.
1: Built yeah. In. Like yeah. So, so there's a lot of fact to it because the thing is, again, again, you guys, you're listening to this. Just use your brains, right? All of this is so logical. Listen, every time, every morning, you get into your car and you drive from your house to your job because you're not like Ben Leibovich and Sam Grooms, and you're not, you don't have cash flow, and and you're trying to get out of the grind, and you still have to work a job. How many apartments do you pass on your way from your house to your job? Those apartments have been there for years and decades. Hasn't somebody tracked the numbers on those apartments? Do you think? Oh yeah. Do you, do you think there's, there's averages that exist that have been cataloged that people know how much payroll is going to cost on apartments in a particular location, particular type of apartment. Let's say it's got a boiler system. What's the payroll going to be? What's the R and going to be? What's the marketing going to look like in that location for that type of structure? You know, let's be reasonable about this. This isn't isn't a one-off kind of thing. We know how much stuff costs. That's the thing. There's very little magic about this stuff. We know how much stuff is going to make money, and we also know how much it costs. So what we do in the real world is we underwrite to the averages. We don't assume that we can run it leaner than the other guy if we do great for us uh, and and that's just an added bump on our cash flows but we assume that we're going to achieve average results so when i underwrite this deal and it looks good and this is exactly what happens what i do is i send it to my property management company they've got 20,000 units in five locations five states right they're they're based in phoenix and they have trailing numbers to be able to say exactly what the average over the last day they've been in business for 30 years. They can tell me what the averages are. So if I'm off somewhere, it's not going to be by much. But that's the whole thing is you underwrite to the average. You don't look at a deal and you say, oh, this is fantastic deal. It's going to cost so much less to run this deal than anything else. Yeah. No. <laughs> there's an equalizing thing that happens over a long enough period of time. Everything ends up costing what it costs. And it's been tracked and cataloged. And you just have to learn. You just have to learn.
2: No matter. And with that being said, there's some expenses that you have to understand that are going to go property by property, like real estate taxes.
0: Sure their property perspective specific but you see this is the thing we're not really reinventing the wheel no it comes down to it and i think that's what a lot of people miss is they're like well i'm looking for the super secret sauce where i I plug in this little factor and everything just boils itself down it's like no you actually got to do the work and and you're right everything has been cataloged everything has been documented documented i've been saying this for years there is no real new information i mean (laughs) there really is that's right the best way to negotiate a deal, which one, what's the best way to negotiate a deal? How about go sitting in front of the person that's a decision maker? That's a great way to negotiate a deal, right? I Absolutely. love the fact about this, guys, that you've got your, you've got a lot of your team coming in on day two, the second day of this thing. I'm looking here, you got the your, one of your real estate brokers, you got a securities attorney, you got lenders, property manager. I mean, you've got it all in that first, in that morning session.
1: What's right, and, like? and we just have four people for three hours, uh, again, because it was important to us to not be like every other event that brings in these these high-priced, high, you know, whatever, hyped speakers to pump you up. We actually want just four people to speak to their particular area of expertise and to be available for you to ask some questions. Um, most, important question I think, if you want to be a syndicator is how in the hell do you even get through the door for an appointment These people are all busy right. and everyone today wants to be a syndicator so they're very careful about who they set up an appointment with so it, it would be interesting to listen to what the answers are about you know what's it going to take what do you have to look like? How do you have to present yourself? What do you have to know? What do you you know? What's the packaging going to be like in order for you to even be allowed in the door? Because if you think you're going to syndicate a deal without these people, forget it. You, You don't know nearly enough to be able to do it. So you need those people on your team, but first you need to get their ear. And that's a challenge in and of itself. And then for folks that are, realistic about the fact that hey my highest and best use is not syndicating apartments. I have a $150,000 a year job. I've saved up a quarter million dollars. What I need to do is deploy some money, but I don't want to do it stupidly, which is probably the vast majority of the audience. Right. What you need is to understand how when you get an offering memorandum and you're looking at it, how do you reverse engineer it? to be able to ask all of the right questions, to be able to challenge the assumptions in the right way, to be able to understand if the deal is worthwhile. You know, we spent a lot of time, you know, today right here talking about all the variables, Right. but the single one variable is you, you can't, you can't, uh, make money without value add. You just you just can't because then it becomes a cash flow play, and a cash flow play is a dangerous play uh, because the value of cash flows diminishes every year because capex. Nobody ever plans for enough, so today's cash flow becomes tomorrow's capex. Uh, you know, it's it's a yeah. I'll leave people with one thought: you buy a house it cash flows $200 a month. You do it for two months. You put some cash flow away. And then in year three, uh, two things happen. One, you have a bad tenant.
0: Right.
1: They trash your house. Of course. (laughs) And you have to replace all of the flooring. Right. To a cost of $1,200. You have to repaint the entire house.
0: There goes your yeah. cash
1: flow. You have to replace the appliances. And on top of it, as Locke would have it, in the middle of the winter in Ohio, your furnace goes out. Okay. So in the first two years, you have an option. You can sock the cash flow away knowing that all of this is just around the corner is going to happen. Right. Or you can put the cash flow in your pockets, get on bigger pockets, and talk about how wonderful your acquisition is and how you're making all this cash flow right and left, okay? After you own the property for six months and you ain't seen shit, okay? <laughs> so to, to, to bring that scenario to a landing is very simple. If you've bought a house for $80,000 that
0: right.
1: needs a $3,500 HVAC system, you will feel okay deploying that $3,500 in the HVAC system if the house is not worth 100? Because you know you can get your money back because the market has appreciated the value of the house. If, however, you've bought a house for $80,000 and it's still only worth $80,000, then do you guys see how stroking that check for 3,500 is akin to uh, throwing good money after bad? Yeah, it comes because directly. You're not getting that money back.
0: Yeah, it comes okay. strictly from from cash flow. Which
1: that's you know, right. That's right. And that's the difference between oh, it's going to be great because we're buying for cash flow. No, we need appreciation, and we can't allow the chance for the market to do appreciation for us. We have to manufacture this appreciation to be sure that it can be there. There are a needle in a haystack, few deals out there that will underwrite honestly to honest numbers that will underwrite to the IRR, which of course, internal rate of return, which of course tracks and discounts all of the cash flows, which requires you to project a closed loop on the exit. It requires you to project your exit to know how and when you're going to get out and what that's going to look like. There's a lot of Logic that that we go through in order to arrive at that point, and that's what the underwriting is, and that's what we're going to be teaching in day one. But the basic methodology, and I think Sam would agree, it's a flip, and the cash flow underpins the value. But you know, one eye is on the exit at all times, one hundred percent of the time, because that's what's. Re- Really, excuse me, really going to make us money. People don't get that. People need to get that if they're going to invest. People don't get that.
0: So you're looking at, basically, to summarize, it really comes down to a blended approach. And a lot of folks are in for one reason or the other. They're not looking at the whole picture. Your whole uh, workshop is about learning how, specifically how, without all the fluff, without all the hype, which I love, to get that blended approach put together on paper so it makes sense. You're knocking Correct. this out in one weekend, that's amazing. That's awesome.
1: Well, you know, we'll do as much as we can, but we're definitely, well, you know, you're, gonna have to, you're gonna have to take that logic past and you're gonna have to sleep on it. You know, somebody registered. We have our first registration, Tyler. It's a partnership registration of someone who has invested with us before, uh, who has known me for years and has seen me speak on several occasions. So he posted on Facebook and people chimed in about two months ago. I went and did a couple of shows in New Jersey. That's exactly what I did. I did this. I walked people through, it was a a full day event and I walked people through the underwriting on this deal. And then two days after I came back, we had it on a contract. It was kind of funny how that happened. (laughs) But, um, people on Facebook chimed in. I went to Ben's event. It was fantastic. My head still hurts. That's funny. That's because there's just, I mean, if you're going to be there, be prepared to learn. It's going to be over the top in terms of logic and numbers. Uh, We'll do everything we can. in, in those two days, uh, to get you up to speed, obviously you're not going to stop thinking about this once you leave. I would hope there's going to be more research and more more thought on your end put into this thing. But what yeah. I'm going to do is shatter certain preconceived notions yeah. and kind of show people the real deal, how this really works.
0: We both know, Ben, that when you and the same for both of you is that when we trim the fat, guys, now, when we get all the fluff and the prompt and the circumstance out of the way, and we get down to brass tacks, you can cover a lot of ground in a couple of days. Yeah. Even if a lot of it boils in. But, you know, one thing I didn't notice in your agenda is no, there's no Grant Cardone entrance by helicopter.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: none of that. Wait. Trump's not going no, to.
2: you're going to retire in two years.
0: Right. You're not going to. Re- you're going to retire. Yeah. In two years. And, and this will be great. And none of that. Huh? That's inter- interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. Hey, I
0: appreciate it. I'm going to put this out. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to pull the trigger, skip the fluff. And this is what I love about this. No fluff, no garbage, no, no BS. Right to the point, get granular, roll up your sleeves, learn how to get it done specifically in the syndication space. So those of you that are investing out there and you don't know what the heck you're investing in, then maybe you need to get a plane ticket. You can fly to Phoenix for almost nothing. Pull the trigger, go out there, spend the weekend in January You can, this would be a great way folks for for you to get your new year's resolution actually out of the way and actually pull the trigger. Like this year I'm going to invest my money and I'm not going to lose any of it. What a concept, right? Head over there. We're going to make a link. we will call it cashflowguys.com forward slash just ask Ben. How about that? Because that'll help you realize that now if you can, you can search Ben, he's all over the internet. uh, You can go to justaskben.com I believe is. is, uh,
1: Just ask Ben why. uh,
0: Just ask Ben why. That's right. Just ask Ben why will be the link. Or you can go directly to his website. Um, I'll send this out. If you're on my email list, ladies and gentlemen, I'll also send this out to my email list. So if you're on my email list, click the link, pull the trigger. You got questions. Best way to reach you guys is through Ben's site. What'd you say? Uh,
1: Ben at justaskbeny.com. And when you are on the website, there's a thing at the top. One of the buttons at the top uh, menu items is uh, uh, syndication workshop that's going to be uh, a direct link. And uh, otherwise it's uh, www.justaskbeny.com forward slash phoenix. That's where you're gonna find the uh, all of the information. I've got a couple of videos on that page. Uh, I show some of the spreadsheets very quickly. I mean, it's an eight minute video, so I can't go through too much, but right. I'll show you some of the spreadsheets that we're gonna do. It, it'll be a packed, Logic and learning packed event. I'll I'll be I'll be soaked because I I you know the a full day of underwriting and fielding questions and telling you know it's that's gonna be hard on Ben Labovich but it's fun it's what I do.
0: I hope you got a vacation planned after that.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm taking a nice vacation beforehand.
0: Yeah, I did. That's put I did.
1: my head in the right place.
0: That's right. I spent a week in South Dakota and a week down in the Florida Keys, and then I kicked off my new mastermind. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Nice.
2: That's, the That's the way to do it, yeah.
0: All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming out. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. You go. Out, you want to get the facts, skip the fluff, make it happen, get out there, pull the trigger. You got the information. What's stopping you? Lastly, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, we have a new link for that. Go to tyler.tube, tyler.tube, hit you over to the Cashflow Guys YouTube channel. I'm dropping the short videos on there because I know you guys have a short attention span. So I'm intentionally keeping my videos under six minutes because that's what you guys tell me the most you can possibly handle of this incredibly sexy voice. So Ben, guys, thanks for coming out today. I really, really appreciate it. As always, Ben, you're just blown away with value. Sam, it's been great to, to meet
2: you and maybe we can get, get together and do a deal here soon. Yep, great meeting you. Thanks for having us. All right, guys, uh, have a great day.